We're back with another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast today. NBA season's getting wrapped up, so we're going to do our NBA award predictions. This is always super fun uh, topic. It's a, it's a season-long thing. I feel like there's, like, you know, awards talk from, like, the first first game, it seems like. So we're finally at the end. So it's nice to have some, some uh, you know, clarity to, you know, who might, who might win. We have a pretty solid idea, but uh, let's get right into it. So our first award, we got the sixth man of the year. Um, I'm going to start with you, Liam. Uh, who is your guy? Yeah, so um, you and I share a person here. Uh, I got Jordan Clarkson, yep. just kind of going off some stuff that I wrote down. Um, he's the highest scoring bench player in the league, so I think that's pretty good indication why. His per 36 numbers are pretty impressive as well. 24 points per game, five and a half rebounds, three assists, uh, 54% uh, true shooting percentage. He's on pace for his highest career win share, so when he's out there, he's making sure the Jazz are winning games. I think he's been a critical part to them. He's been the second highest scoring on that team and the best uh, team in the NBA uh, wins rise. Um, I think the thing is, though, he still hasn't developed as a uh, defender. And, you know, even though he has been playing behind a top five shooting guard, Donovan Mitchell, he's been over the show out. You know, he's a combo guard, so he plays point and uh, shooting. But otherwise, I think he might uh, pick for sixth man of the year. I think it's pretty, like, locked in at this point. But my runner-up, though, is the guy who I actually have considered here. Uh, which is kind of an under-the-radar name, which is Chris Boucher, who plays for the Toronto Raptors. He's been a guy that's going out there. He's still top 10 in scoring off the bench. Uh, he's number one in blocks off the bench. Uh, he's a very efficient shooter, which I think was the reason why I started to consider Boucher, because he's a more efficient shooter than Jordan Clarkson, even from three. But I ended up with Jordan Clarkson. I think it's a safe pick. Yeah, I think at this stage, it's pretty much his award to lose. Um, the only reason why I picked Joe Ingles um, is because I just think Clarkson had a much stronger campaign earlier in the season. I mean, he was giving you 20 points a night off the bench, and he's since cooled off enough for me to be able to make a case for Joe Ingles, you know, show some love to, to my boy Joseph Howard Ingles. Um, but jo- Jordan Clarkson in the last 21 games has averaged 16.6 points per game, but has only shot 37% from the field and 29% from three. Um, and in that same time period, Joe Ingles has averaged 12 points per game and shot 46% from three with five assists and four rebounds. So, I mean, it's just a great jazz bench overall. Um, but, yeah, I think Clarkson is the pick, but I do want to show love to to my boy Joe Ingles. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ingles is a beast. He has started a lot more games than, uh, than Clarkson has. Clarkson's only started one, so it is very fitting for, like, six man of the year. But, I mean, he just adds, like, such a great component to this team because, I mean, Liam, you mentioned his lack of defense, but – they don't really need him to play defense. Like what they need him to do is to come in and just get buckets because like this team, uh, you know, has had trouble in the past, you know, putting up, you know, a crazy amount of points. He, it, it's perfect for them. You know, he's that spark plug where he can come in, get hot. He can easily drop like 20 to 30 points and just let everyone else, you know, around him defend, which I mean, they obviously do. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely is Clarkson's to lose. Um, next award, we got the uh, rookie of the year. Uh, coming down to a two-man race, should have been three, RIP to uh, Halliburton. But, um, you know, yeah, two-man race right now. So I'll start with Jose this time. Who's your go-to guy? Yeah, I mean, obviously Halliburton is the, the pick in my heart. But um, Ed Edwards is going to win this award. Man, is just going off this season. He went off for 42-6-7 and seven last night in a loss against the Grizzlies, uh, which is tough to see. But, I mean, he's averaged 18.5 points per game this season, Had has – not terrible shooting numbers. Um, you know, he can only go up from here. 
and I think he's a, he's going to show that he he has shown that he is a, an efficient scorer in this league. Yeah, what about you, Liam? Yeah, so obviously I got the wild card, not real wild card pick, but the other side, the battle. I think it's yeah, two man race at this point. I'm just going to go with LaMelo Ball. I think, you know, he doesn't have the scoring that Anthony Edwards has. I think it's really hard to make a case for him now, uh, just after what we saw Anthony Edwards being the only uh, teenager besides Kevin Durant and LeBron James have a 45-5 and five game. Uh, but otherwise, I think LaMelo Ball has some very impressive stats. 16 points a game, six assists, six rebounds, a steal and a half, 45% from field, and 37% from three. He's above league average when it comes to three-point shooting. Um, and three throw shooting as well. I think he does though have to work on his two point field goal percentage, but I don't think that's too much of a thing when you're talking about rookie of the year. He seems to have turned this franchise around from a team that wasn't really, you know, I think they were less than 30% chance to make the playoffs. And I think they're, they have, they have pretty good eyes on making the playoff, at least the play in tournament at this point. Um, I think he just put some fantastic numbers up and ever since, you know, whether he was off the bench or whether he was on the court, he was making an impact. And I think, you know, you don't see that a lot from a rookie being able to change a franchise around. I feel like he's a little bit of a step down from Luka Doncic, what we saw in Luka's rookie year, because he isn't as, you know, a scoring flashy as he was. But at the same time, I think LaMelo Ball heavily deserves a case. I think it's going to come down to a very close race since Anthony Edwards was more at the end of the season while LaMelo Ball was a more of a beginning of the season guy. So I think some recency bias is going to come into it. But my runner-up was Anthony Edwards, and I think at this point, what we saw from last night, he's probably going to walk away at this award. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm the tiebreaker here. I chose Edwards, but I think it's more like a should win, will win. I think it really should be LaMelo. It's just a shame that, you know, he got injured and he wasn't able to play more games because I think if he did, uh, it would be his. Um, but, you know, just, again, still an incredible season. And he really just turned the Hornets around a franchise that's been so dormant and so boring, just straight up boring for the last few seasons. Um, and now he comes in, you know, they're basically like one of the most exciting teams uh, in the league, as well as their announcers. They help as well because they're the goats. Um, but, you know, yeah, LaMelo, great season. But Anthony Edwards, I mean, almost 19 points per game. His shooting efficiency is like, you know, not not the best. But, I mean, you know, that bad shot selection, kind of a concern, but it's just going to get better with time and more experience. And he really just like has shown just like, the most insane athletic ability to the point where there's just like stretches of games where he just looks like unstoppable almost where he is just like the most athletic person on the court. Um, and there's just like stretches of games where he's just unstoppable. I mean, you saw it last night, just insane performance. And, and I keep, I think he just needs to keep using his athleticism to his benefit, keep driving the hoop. It's only going to open up more uh, good looks for him from three, which will help, uh, you know, improve his percentage because, you know, 32% it's not ideal, but, I think it should be LaMelo, but I think it is going to be Edwards if I, I was a betting man. But hey, so I next think he made eight threes last night, though, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. It's definitely been improving uh, in the last few games, but still, it, it's tough to look at. Efficiency. You know, 31.7. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you're the so Timberwolves, award, real quick, if you're the Timberwolves, are you handing him the keys? Are you, are you handing him the keys to the team? No, you still got yeah. Towns. I think Towns is more talented. Yeah, yeah, but I like Edwards' mindset more than Towns. Like, yeah, like, you know, he's always in go mode, so that offers, like, you know, bad shots and stuff. But I like his, like, I like his approach to the game, whether it's, you know, it would be detrimental sometimes, but I like it more than Towns because I think Towns, like, is the perfect, perfect, like, second guy. But 
I don't know. I just, I mean, Agreed. he's been the number one guy for how many years now? And it's like, hasn't really worked out. So, yeah, I think Edwards just has more of like a dog mentality, more, more of a natural leader than Towns. Yeah, but they, I mean, they're both going to get theirs. Like, you know, they're both going to, I think they should be a really nice duo for. Yeah. I mean, they complement each other pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Any last thoughts before I go on to the, for the next award? No. All right, for sure. Sorry, I kept cutting you guys off. Uh, all right, so next one, we got the most improved player. Um, oh. Or defensive, defensive player. We'll go with yeah. defense. We'll sorry, go yeah. It's all good. Yeah, I said sorry, yeah. Um, this one, again, uh, you know, probably a two-man race. I'll start with Jose this time. Uh, why do you think it's going to be Gobert? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a boring pick. Um, the Jazz are third in defensive rating. And it's his third – it would be his third award in four years. I mean, he just has a defensive impact that no other no other player really has, at least not, uh, you know, a big man. And I think it's really hard for a perimeter player to win the award no matter how much I want to give it to Ben Simmons. Um, you know, Gobert's averaging damn near three blocks a game, which is insane. I think there's, there's really no way he's not going to win it unless some voters' fatigue plays into it. Yeah, I think just kind of to add on to it, some some other stats to speak about. Um, Second in the league in blocks, only behind Miles Turner, who's averaging a ridiculous 3.4, if I believe. Uh, He's a leader of a top three defense, like Jose said. He's the number one uh, player in terms of defensive rating, a whole one, like 1.0 higher than the next person in New Orleans Noel. Um, He's obviously a thing that isn't really talked about, but needs to be looked at is his defensive rebound percentage. He's one of the best in the league with 33% rebound percentage. Um, number five in defensive box plus minus and number one in defensive win shares. And then kind of adding on to this, obviously Carson, you'll go into it with Ben Simmons. He's a runner up for mine, but another guy who I think deserves serious contention, who is Ben Simmons teammate, who you think I'm going to say Embiid, but no, Matisse Thibel has been having an excellent season. He needs to be a first team, all defensive guard this year. Um, but number one in defensive blocks plus minus and steal percentage and he's number three in defensive rating, number nine in block percentage, and this guy plays shooting guard. Thinks absolutely ridiculous. He's also averaging a steal in point, uh, six per game. I think uh, Matisse Seibel is going to get some, you know, second, third place votes in this award. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, definitely. It's just a sad fact that, you know, both, you know, Simmons and Thibel are, you know, two of the best, you know, perimeter defenders in the league, but it's kind of impossible to play them both together just because they both really can't shoot. So it's just a shame. Like if it, like if both of them could just like develop a little bit of a jumper, that would be a dirty, dirty uh, perimeter combo. But again, I completely understand the Gobert pick. Uh, it is a boring one, but it is. I mean, all the he has incredible metrics. He's great at what he does. Like his, you know, I think he's like his one-dimensional, uh, you know, defensive play is outstanding. I just like Ben Simmons more just because he's multi-dimensional, uh, one through five. Um, you know, he's eighth in defensive win shares, 11th in steal percentage, and eighth in uh, defensive box plus minus. You know, all just, like, very solid across the board. Um, and I just love the fact that, you know, Gobert is holding down the paint, but, you know, Ben Simmons can take on, you know, your best, best score, no matter, you know, no, no matter the team. It could be the point guard, it could be Dame, or it could be someone, you know, like a, uh, you know, like LeBron or like a KD. You know, he can still slow those guys down. Um, and he did put up 42 points on basically like all hook shots and layups in the paint against Gobert when they played. Um, I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty important and why I picked them too. 
Um, so I just want to pick Ben because I knew I was going to be the only one. And I just love the fact it's one through five. Like Gobert's great, but I, I like uh, I like the versatility for show. Yeah, shout out to Ben. Yeah, but it probably will be Gobert if I would put money on it. I think they'd probably vote him again. Betting favors him as well. Yeah. All right. So our next award, yeah, most improved player. Um, speaking of betting, I think um, if it was anyone but him, a lot of people would lose a lot of money. Um, Liam, I'm going to start with you. Tell us why we all have the same player. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious here. I think Jeremy Grant was the early season award pick. Um, I put money on him at the midseason mark, which obviously is unfortunate, but it wasn't that much money I'm losing anyway. But a first-time All-Star um, went up in a lot of every statistical category. And the thing I want to point out the most is his three-point field goal percentage. I believe it was in the high 20s, and now he's a 42.7, which is far above league average. Um, he was the April 2021 Player of the Month just this last month. Uh, he's had some very monster games uh, going for a lot of points, a lot of three-pointers. And he's also been a playmaker, which I think is a thing you got to look at. You know, kind of, you know, he might get himself up there for the top five in terms of big guys that can pass the ball, you know, like a Nikola Jokic. But we'll get into Nikola Jokic later. But I'll leave it with that. I think it's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, what a, about true, you, Jose? it's a really true, like, career revival without a complete – like change of play. I mean, I feel like he's doing a lot of the same things that he was before, but now they're effective. And I think that's just shows dividends of all the hard work he put in during the off season. Um, he, just a great season from Randall really turned it to just another gear this season. But a guy I want to shout out as most improved, uh, like runner up uh, is Christian Wood. I mean, man took a huge step, averaged 21, 10 and shot 37 from three, just an absolute insane, like, freaky player out there to watch and a great season from him on a on a bad team yes but it's great stats nonetheless yeah definitely I mean I had Randall too I mean you guys you know made all the you know the best points you know he literally went up in basically like every stat category and they had a great point where like it's not like he's changing his game like he literally just improved on everything like like exactly what the award is most improved and he improved on literally everything and he's the main guy on, you know, a four seed who's going to have home court advantage, uh, you know, in the playoffs. So shout out Randall, uh, you know, a late bloomer. But I think, uh, you know, Randall is, you know, for guys that are like kind of struggling in like year three, year four, whatever, I think Randall's going to help those guys out a lot because they're like, oh, just, you know, be a little bit more patient. They might come around still. Um, and, you know, congrats to Randall. So next award, we got the uh, coach of the year. Jose, I'm going to start with you. Um, and your pick, uh, sell me, please. Yeah. Um, Monty, I think he just – he got everyone to buy in this season. He completely changed the culture of the Phoenix Suns. They clinched their first playoff spot since 2010, one of the most impressive two-year turnarounds in NBA history. They performed great in the bubble last season. Obviously, they went undefeated in, through eight games and still didn't make the playoffs. So I feel like that sparked a real flame under this team that – they were able to bounce back from that and come back even stronger this season. Obviously they added CP three, which played a huge role. Um, but this is a literal worst to first story. I mean, they had 63 losses just two years ago and are currently the second seed, only a game back of the first seed sitting at 47 wins in a shortened season. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great story for the Phoenix suns. 
for a historically bad Phoenix Suns team this past like decade. I mean, when was the last time we saw a good Phoenix Suns team? When they had Drogic and Bledsoe. Yeah. It was Drogic and Bledsoe when they had 48 games to miss oh, the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But a real contending Suns. Yes. Team. Yes. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah so I guess I'll go in. Minutes. I'll tackle for Carson and I. I'll, I'll take the first part and let Carson handle the rest. I think what yeah, you got to look at is he made Julius Randle a top four power forward in reference to Tom Thibodeau here, who's my pick. Um, he's gotten he's, he's gotten the best out of his players on the team, which is what we've seen with him in the past when he was with the Bulls. Unfortunately, we didn't see it a lot with the Timberwolves since that team was kind of a failure. Um, you know, Noel has been ex- excellent. He's going to be a guy who's probably going to be maybe up there for all uh, defensive second team, the way he's been playing. Uh, Alfred Payton's had a career revival. I think we got to look at Derrick Rose, who's been absolutely phenomenal. A pick that literally they just got Dennis Smith Jr. in a second round pick sent to the Pistons, and they got this guy who's been an absolute leader off their bench. Uh, Reggie Bullock's a name that most casual NBA fans have no idea who he is. This guy's knocking down six threes every once in a while. for the He's Knicks. a sniper, bro. Um, he's a s- sneaky, sneaky sniper. Like, yeah. He is, and he's had a really quiet career, though. And then just yeah. kind of – I'll leave the rest for Carson, but I just want to say, you know, the best defensive team in terms of points allowed, the number four offense – I mean, defensive rating uh, with the number nine net rating. And, you know, I think the important thing is we got to look at what ESPN always has to say. You know, Billy Donovan in those uh, Thunder with Chris Paul last year had a 0.8% chance to make the playoffs. These Knicks had a 2% chance to make the playoffs in the preseason. They're locked in for the uh, – top four seed at this point for what it looks like with a 21 and a half over under on their wins in the preseason. So Carson, I'll let you handle the rest. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Jose's pick with Monty. I think I'll just have him second just because I think, you know, um, you know, obviously he's a huge part of their improvement, but I think also the other like key aspect is just the, you know, uh, addition of CP three. Uh, whereas, you know, for the Knicks, and besides quickly and top in, and then like they added Rose mid season, but they essentially have like, the same team as last year, you know, besides those two rookies. Um, and so that's just a testament to how much Thibodeau has improved them. Uh, you know, brought the culture back too. I mean, you know, brought, you know, the the 90s Knicks, you know, were defensive uh, minded, um, you know, just very tough, you know, tough, great uh, group of guys. And I think he really just helped just develop a culture and, and with a team that hasn't had one in the last few seasons. Um, I, they went from 21 and 45 to 37 and 29. Uh, like like we already said, fourth seed, home court advantage. Uh, they gave up the worst field goal percentage and three-point percentage in the league. Like, like team shoot uh, 44%, 33%, you know, from two and three, uh, respectively. And, yeah, like you said, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and Tibbs is, you know, one of the biggest reasons for that. So it, it should be his. But shout-out to Monty, too, because the Suns, yeah, I mean, awesome, you know, worst to first uh, kind of storyline from them. So, yeah. I think Chris Paul makes the case worse, though. Yeah, that, because, that's what I was trying to say. Like, because it's like it's a lot of like CP3 um, compared to like Monty, you know. Yeah, I mean, going back to Thibs real quick. Um, a, a lot of people had him labeled as a failure after his his stint in Minnesota, and I think it just really shows like how dysfunctional Minnesota and Sacramento are. <laughs> Uh, they're just like bottom two franchises in terms of like actual functionality in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. 
So next, uh, next award, we got the MVP. We all got the Joker. Um, I mean, he earned it. It's not like, uh, you know, it, it's not like, like everyone was injured and it's like, oh, we need to give it to someone. Like he earned it. He, I mean, they lost Murray. Like, you know, he put up the stats. Like it's not like a cheap award for him. Like it, it's clearly Jokic's. So Jose, I want to start with you. Um, why, why is Jokic the MVP? Yeah, I mean, he's having a dominant season. Best, definitely the best player this year. He's filling up the stat sheet. He had 32-12-6 last night. Mans puts up 50-point triple doubles. Uh, the Nuggets haven't missed a single beat, even without Jamal Murray. And I think he's just one of the most unique players in history, like with his build and his play style. And he just signals a new era for, for basketball. I mean, he's defying the notion that you can't build a team around a big man in today's NBA. A center hasn't even won the MVP award since Shaq in 2000. And he's the most prolific passing big man ever, surpassing Will Chamberlain for the most double-digit assist games by a center. Absolute madness uh, from this guy. And I think he's going to be a real factor in the playoffs. A lot of people are doubting him. Obviously, they don't have Jamal Murray, so their contending chances are a little limited. But I think he's got a lot to prove, or he's going to prove a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, and I think um, just some crazy things, if you guys didn't know, he increased across basically every statistical category, and that's by a drastic percentage. He increased his blocks per game, his points per game, his steals per game, his assists per game, his rebounds per game, his free throw percentage, his three-point percentage, and his field goal percentage. And he increased his efficiency stats while scoring almost seven points more per game, which is insane to see from a big man, you know, especially one that shoots the ball like he does, given that he shoots 60% from the field, and he's not always getting off his points from the inside. He has the highest PR in the league up there, uh, I believe 31 plus. Uh, number one in win shares, number one in blocks plus minus, number one in offensive uh, plus minus, number one in value over replacement. He's the best playmaking big man to ever play the game of basketball. Don't argue me on this one. I'm not counting Magic Johnson or Ben Simmons because those guys uh, play the point guard position. Uh he has a plus 1.3 increase in blocks plus minus when he's on the court versus off the court. Uh, and 130 offensive rating, which is just insane to see. Um, I don't know how, you know, if Harden, Braun, and Bede were healthy this year, it would be a different story. But at the same time, I'm just happy to see that he'll be, you know, more than likely the second ever second round pick to win a uh, most valuable player award since Willis Reed played for the New York Knicks. So absolute amazing season from him. And I'm happy to see that's been happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys, like, hit all the points. I mean, Jokic, 12th in scoring, 13th in field goal percentage, 9th in rebounding, 6th in assists, and then most importantly, 1st in PER. And then this is, you know, without his co-star the last, you know, few weeks, uh, keeping the Nuggets a top-four seed. And he's helped improve Porter's game exponentially. Porter's, like, turning into a star before eyes. And a big part of that is just Jokic, you know, setting him up with easy, easy baskets. Like Liam said, he's played every game. Um, and... His stats are just ridiculous. I mean, 26, 11, 8 on 56, 40, 85 splits. That's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, massive, massive season from Jokic. So, um, real quick, is your guys' like runner up Embiid? Yeah, Embiid. Or Chris Paul. I think it's a hard, there's a strong case for him. He wouldn't be high on the teams, but I think he's got a strong case for MVP, even though it's like a more of a, Steve Nash kind of case. Yeah. Yeah, he should definitely be like top like top three or or at worst like top five in MVP. Like he deserves it a ton. Um, yeah. but probably Embiid second and then 
Dame, Curry in the top five. That's probably how I'd have it. All right, so next we got our all NBA teams. Um, there's going to be like a lot of snubs, but like the truth is, there's just a lot of good guys in the NBA, and some of them are just going to get left off. Like that's just how it is. There's only 15 spots, um, and there's way more than 15, you know, elite great players. So um, I'll start off with Liam's team. We got the same team. Uh, we got Curry, <laughs> Luka, Kawhi, Giannis, and Jokic. Uh, disclaimer, I would have Embiid if we could, like, but you're probably only going to have one of them since there's only one center position. But I think it was just, like, a team in general. I would s- still want to throw Embiid in there. Um, but since we have the same team, I'll start with Jose. Uh, why do you have Lillard instead of Curry? I want to hear the argument. It's not necessarily an argument. I think I just really like how Lillard uh, has – put together an entire season of just dominance. Curry, he the Warriors did not start off very hot. A lot of he's been very hot recently. Obviously recency bias does play a factor especially in all NBA picks. Um, but I feel like Lillard just did it for a more prolonged period of time and also uh McCollum's, you know, been dealing with injuries this season and Lillard's still been doing his thing. I mean, he has a legit case for like a top like you said a top 5 MVP candidate. Uh, and you know Curry, obviously he just won. He just won. I think he won player. Did he win player of the month? Yes. He was Thirty-seven points a game last month or something insane. Um, and you know the recency obviously does play a factor. I mean, can you guys name anyone who dropped fifty points prior to the trade deadline? Mm, I don't think so. That dropped forty. Oh, Tatum. Tatum dropped sixty the other night. Yeah, yeah, oh, but prior? Oh, prior. Yeah, before the trade deadline. Exactly. Like off the top of your head, you guys can probably name like three guys who dropped 50 recently, like KPJ, Tatum. Uh, yeah. And Giannis dropped 49. But yeah, so I mean, it's just, I feel like Curry is a more like recency bias type pick, and Lillard's just been doing it the whole season. Nothing against Curry, though. He's, he's great. No, that's fair. They should both definitely be first and second team, respectively, just either one. But um, no, yeah, I mean, we got anything else on the first team? Yeah, I'll just kind of go to defend the Curry pick. I mean, like Jose was saying, you know, the whole argument that it's been the second half of the season. And, you know, just to kind of add on to that, 34.3 points per game, five and a half rebounds, five assists in 23 games since the All-Star game, shooting basically 50, 45, 90. Um, I mean, I understand the argument, but I think at the same time, you got to look back to a situation like two years ago, I believe, when Paul George was having an MVP season for the Thunder. Basically kind of fell off the cliff after the second season. I mean, the second half of the season. And, you know, if it was the first half of the season, I think he had a strong case to be a top three MVP candidate and just kind of fell off the cliff. So you got to look at it. There's both sides of the thing. And I think what they're going to look at, the voters, they're going to see, you know, the numbers that they have in front of them. And I think what Steph Curry has done bigger games, even though I think Lillard did have the first half of the edge on him. So it's just one away which half was, you know, you could say was uh, Lillard's second half more impressive than Curry's first half. Like you got to – go off that way or which half was more impressive in their most dominant half. So otherwise I think you can't go wrong with either pick because whoever's going to be on the first team is going to be on the second team. Yeah. True. Yeah. All three guys though, like Luca, Curry, Dane, they've all like had like the same kind of situation all year where it's like the rest of their team have been either injured, COVID, whatnot. And all three guys have just had to step up and just backpack 
um, and they've all done it. You know, I think you're right. Like Lillard's been probably the most consistent out of all of them because even Luca like started off, you know, pretty slow. He's kind of out of shape at the start of the season, but you know, him and Curry have definitely come on a lot uh, in the second half. But all three guys have just been carrying their squad. So um, next we'll go to the second team. Uh, you know, Jose. He's got Curry, Booker. PG-13, Tatum, and Embiid. We all got Embiid as our as our centers. Uh, Liam has uh, Dame Lillard, Kyrie, Zion, Tatum, Embiid, and then I have Dame, CP3, Zion, Julius Randle, and Embiid. So I'm going to start off real quick. Uh, you know, I have two guys that uh, you guys don't have. I have Randle just because, you know, we already made the case for a most improved player. And just the fact that he's led, you know, he's leading a Knicks team that's, you know, fourth in the East, and it's it's his team, you know, the, you know, it runs through him. The ball runs through him. Um, it's his team. I think that's very, very worthy of, of uh, second team, as well as CP3. I mean, he comes in. Uh, you know, I just have him over Booker just because I think whereas Booker, you know, might have more scoring or, or better stats, you know, CP3 is, the ma- you know, the main reason why they've improved so much. It gets everyone involved, uh, helps them defensively, uh, the assists. He's helping eight and out. Um, so that's why I have him uh, second team, both those guys. But uh, Liam, like, you know, sell me on your team. I'll, I want to hear uh, what you got yeah. for your second team. So, obviously, I think Embiid's kind of a lock for all of us. There's no need to say that. He's been the second best center, arguably center 1B this season, the way that he was playing before yeah. he got injured. It's kind of a shame uh, Tate- he has to be on the second team, honestly, because he's been that yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, if only one of those guys was a power forward hybrid or played enough slots at the power forward position, which is what it's based off of. Obviously, positional basketball is what it is right now. So it's an unfortunate thing to see. But otherwise, you know, looking at Tatum, he's been an absolute monster for this team. I thought Jalen Brown would have been the guy who would have been on these all-NBA teams at the beginning of the season. But Tatum's been kind of consistent throughout. You know, obviously that huge 60-point game the other night was massive. But he's had some other big games. When they played the Warriors on uh, national television, he had – he went toe-to-toe with Steph Curry, and they won that game. I think, you know, he's been willing this team back into playoff contention after they looked like it might have been a fluke season for them or a play-in season for them. So, absolutely great season for him. Zion's been one of the most efficient players we've seen in the NBA in the last couple of years, especially, you know, the volume of shots he's taken, averaging 25-plus uh, points per game, if I'm not uh, wrong. He's been insane for this Pelicans team, but the obviously the thing that weighs him down, you know, which might – why Jose doesn't have him higher up is his team isn't winning games. Uh, then Kyrie Irving, he's been averaging 26 points per game. Uh, he's been a leader for this Nets team, you know, when other guys like uh, KD have been out. And, you know, some analysts such as, you know, the infamous Stephen A. Smith even had him in MVP contention at points in this season. I think, you know, he will qualify enough, which is, as some people might see already, where's LeBron James, where's James Harden? Uh, those guys probably will not be able to qualify to make uh, an all-NBA team due to the fact that they did not play at least 70% of their team's games. And then no need to argue for Dame Willard. We already gave our points about him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so we just want to go to our third teams. Yeah. Oh, well, Jose's got to defend, uh, I guess, Paul George and Booker. Yeah, I mean, Paul George, I think he's just been really balling. I think – I liked him over Zion just for the fact that he said, like, his team's winning games. Um, same thing with Booker. I think Booker, I just like him more than CP3 just because, like, he's really the main the main guy for them, even though Chris Paul is probably the most important piece. I feel like, Booker is is the guy for the Suns. Yeah, that's fair. I'm over him. Yeah. And then, yeah, our third team's 
so I, I have Booker 13 as well as Mitchell, PG 13, Tatum, and Gobert. We all have Gobert. We all have the same centers for each of our three teams. Um, Liam, I'll start with you because you have two really interesting picks that I think are, are very deserving. Uh, we just didn't include them. Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook. Um, I want to hear why you have them included on your third team because I'm all I'm all for it too. I think they're very deserving, but they're just kind of guys like I mentioned before. It's just like there's only so many spots. Someone's yeah, exactly. So I'll just kind of get straight into it. I think with Westbrook, he's been absolutely phenomenal this season. A guy who I think is easily the most overhated player in the NBA. People talk it down on him so bad. I mean, I don't think I've seen people go as far in the overhating conversation as saying he's top five. Okay, he's not top five, but he's definitely one of the best point guards in the league, and he needs to get the credit for that. Since the All-Star break, he's been averaging 23.5, 12.5 rebounds, and 12.5 assists. He's been a triple-double monster. If you just want to put a bet that's a lock almost any time he plays, just put a triple-double bet on Westbrook. Westbrook. It's probably going to happen. And, you know, he's been sort of, you know, more efficient recently. Um, he's toning down the three-point uh, attempts, which has been a problem with him in his career in the past. But, you know, he's got the Washington Wizards into the play-in tournament spot right now, which I think is very valuable, uh, you know, making his case here. You know, there are three games – uh, above the Raptors, so it looks like they're going to lock that in at this point. But, you know, this was a team that was a laughing stock at the beginning of the year, and then he kind of wasn't really Beal, even though Beal's been the guy who's been scoring all the points. Russell Westbrook's been the guy that's been, you know, really making it happen for them, and I think that's why I have Russell Westbrook in there at my point guard position, well, my one guard position. And then Jimmy Butler also has been very fantastic, averaging 21.5.7 rebounds and 7 assists. Uh, you know, on a Miami team that I think you know, has pretty much disappointed this year. I think we expected a lot more out of them, but I would not say it's Jimmy Butler's fault. It's more of the surrounding cast, like Tyler Hero not taking a step up. So I got to go with Jimmy Butler here. You know, he's a good defender. He's really improved as a playmaker this season. You know, something that we saw flashes of in his early career in Chicago, how he wanted to start playing more point guard out there. But I think I made, I made my case for them. I'll let it rest. And I think, you know, like we already said, I'll let uh, – Jose touching it when he has Chris Paul on his team, but I think Chris Paul's a lock to be on a team. Yeah, Chris Paul's definitely a lock. I don't know if he's going to be – he could very well, like, has a chance to be on first um, just because I think he's, like, the president of the NBA PA or the MBPA. Like, the guys, you know, they really like him. I would not be surprised if, like, they vote him on the first team. But I, I, I don't think he deserves to be on first team. Second or third is probably a lock. Um, but speaking of the plane, real quick, if I'm, you know, a seventh, eighth seed in the East, I do not want to face the Wizards right now. Oh, no. At all. Oh, no. Red hot. Nah. And after all the hard work they put in, you know, to get to seventh, eighth seed, to just lose to a Wizards team that started off terribly. Um, and yeah. It around. It's, it's insane. Yeah, but in a one to two game scenario, I would much rather have Westbrook and Beal, like two stars. You know that can easily, easily take over a game or two. Like it, it's and a supporting cast plan. who has stepped up. Ryu Hachimura is a guy who can give you twenty points on any given night. You know they have some other guys that are like exactly. They have some solid guys who aren't big names. You know Ryu Hachimura coming from Gonzaga a couple of years ago hasn't really taken a huge jump, but you know he's been playing kind of second, you know, fiddle to those two guard tandems and. I think it's a scary team when it comes to the play-in tournament because they're more than likely going to be there, you know. Hopefully they can beat the Pacers so they go up against the Hornets, who I think they have a better matchup against than the Heat. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to touch on Donovan Mitchell real quick. Um, I think very deserving just because, I mean, you know, the main scorer, the lead guy on, you know, the top team in the NBA, um, I think that in itself um, is, is very, very deserving. So I think we got to mention him. And then shout out PG, bro. I just hope – I really hope he changed it in the playoffs. Like, you know, that's really – you know, because he's been having an incredible, incredible regular season. But, like, everyone knows, like, it, it means nothing because he still has, you know, that uh, – that weight on the shoulders of, of doing it in the playoffs. So, uh, but he's been fantastic as well. Playoff P to show <laughs> pandemic P. Yeah, we need playoff P, not pandemic P to show up, um, which is crazy because, I mean, he's going to need to show up fast because they might play the Lakers. Yeah. Which would be insane. Imagine that, like, the Clippers worked so hard just to play the Lakers in the first round. <laughs> hey, but. The Lakers. Okay, we'll touch on it when we get to the the champions. We, we yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's a good segue. We're we're going with our NBA champion picks. I'll just start off because we're already talking about the Lakers. Like it's, I really think like if they can make it through the first round because it's going to be the toughest for them because you know they're going to be the least healthy. Um, I think if they can make it through that, like they can win a championship because they're the only team in the NBA that I fully fully trust that can turn it on they're the only team that's been there before um that's done it they did it in the bubble um this time you know they're actually uh, you know going to be playing in their own building um and i just think you know when healthy um you know they're still the best team just the problem is are they going to get healthy in time and i think that's going to be the biggest thing to watch um you know ad's coming back he, he looked you know pretty solid against the nuggets uh lebron's starting to ramp it up and honestly i mean like, he really just should ramp it up on training on his own. I don't even think they should really even play him too much. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, I, I think it's you know, still the Lakers went healthy. But, I mean, your two teams are, are very, very uh, good as well. And it could easily, I mean, you know, beat up on the Lakers if they're not healthy enough. So, uh, Jose, I'll start with you. Uh, what's your pick? Real quick, the thing about the Lakers, you say when healthy, they are the best team. But that's really their problem. I mean, the reality of the matter yeah, is... Yeah, exactly. That's the big if. Like, if they can actually get there to, like, full health. They will not be full strength going into the playoffs. I mean, AD and Braun barely starting to come back. They didn't have LeBron last night. Uh, Braun literally said he will never be 100% again. Uh, Schroeder might miss the rest of the season. He's for sure going to miss the start of the playoffs. They're not going to have home court advantage. They haven't even played their full first team with Andre Drummond, who was their big deadline acquisition. I feel like he's going to be kind of a non-factor in the playoffs. Um, but making the case for the Nets, I mean, the same thing, win healthy. This is definitely the best team, probably the biggest big three we've seen since, I mean, even with like the Bosch, LeBron, Wade thing, I feel like this is even bigger in terms of like name value and just like talent overall. I mean, Kyrie has secretly or like quietly been – the most consistent like greatest player for them the whole season and if KD will come back and really like take a step back be their defensive anchor they can boost their defensive rating they have not been good defensively this year but the real test is going to come in the playoffs if they can come back healthy Harden obviously steps it up in the playoffs when he wants to and Kyrie's one of the biggest clutch players we've seen in, in our generation so I feel like they there's really no team in the east that stacks up against them so I feel like they're a lock for the finals at least and then once we get to the to the finals, we'll see what happens. But I'm picking the Nets. Feel that. What about you, Liam? 
All right. Well, I think I probably have the hardest case to plead here. You know, a team that doesn't have a lot of superpower. You know, Anthony Davis and LeBron are obviously, you know, superstars in this league. The Brooklyn Nets have three of the best guys in the league. But the Jazz just give me those, you know, Pistons vibes when they won the championship against the super stacked Lakers team, which is what it would be if they won the championship against the Nets. You know, some numbers that really stick out to me. And, you know, I have cases as to why I think they're going to make it. And I'm going to go pretty in-depth here because I want to make my strong case. So in terms of, you know, offensive rating, defensive rating, opponents' points per uh, game, uh, opponents, I mean, uh, points per game, they're top three in all of those. Uh, they have the number one net rating in the league. Uh, some interesting things we got to point out. Number one in three-point shooting team. Uh, they're number one in attempts and makes, and they're number four in percentage. So they're a team that's going to make a lot of three-pointers. They're going to shoot a lot of three-pointers. They're number nine in free throw percentage, you know, top 10 in free throw percentage, which is important because when it comes to playoff time, you need to have guys that are out there that can make free throws for your team. They're also the number one rebounding team. So some people are going to be outmatched when it comes to size against them. You know, Rudy Gobert is obviously, you know, a leading defensive player of the year candidate, but they also have some other guys that can go out there with Derek Favors and go get some boards. Um, they hold their opponents to a league, uh, second league best, 33.9% from three-pointers. So you're not going to make a lot of three-pointers. Uh, you may have to shoot a lot of three-pointers to get a lot of three-pointers in, and they're going to outshoot you when it comes to the percentage-wise. They're also the number one defense against other sh uh, shots other than uh, three-point uh, free throw with two-point percentage. But I think there are some weaknesses that we need to address before I think why they have a shot. They tend to uh, lose the turnover battle, which is unfortunate given that they're ranked in the bottom half of the league in turnovers. And they don't steal the ball at a good rate. So they're not, you know, changing the possession a lot. Also, their top three scores are all guards. And it's hard to play all three of them at the same time, especially when it's crunch time. You can't have Jordan Clarkson out there with Donovan Mitchell because Jordan Clarkson's too much of a defensive liability. While it makes sense for you to have Mike Conley out there with Jordan Clarkson, you can't jeopardize taking Donovan Mitchell out of the game or putting him at small for making a matchup against a bigger guy, let's say, like LeBron James. Then. Here's why they have a shot. I think there's three contenders in the West right now that I think have a good shot at making the finals. I think we got the Suns, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And here are my reasons why. The Suns, I think Aiden's going to be basically useless in this series if they come against each other. Gobert's a guy who's going to force them to take jump shots, and that's not what Aiden's strength is. Booker is also going to be forced to take jump shots, which is, hasn't been his game as of recent. Everyone knows him as a three-point shooting guy, but he's a guy that likes to get to the basket. Um, Mitchell's also going to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe when it comes to Booker and scoring. We saw the way he lit it up in the playoffs last year, leading the playoffs in scoring uh, for the series that he was there. Uh, Clarkson also is the best bench player in between. So when everyone's off the floor, all the main guys, Chris Paul, Booker, and then, you know, Mitchell and Gobert, Clarkson's going to be able to lead the charge and go against, you know, this Suns bench and take him um, right the throat. Then I think also the Suns are, you know, they're young and they lack playoff experience. Only Chris Paul and Jay Crowder are the notable guys who have playoff experience on that team. So that's why I think they can beat the Suns. Then just looking at the Lakers, the Lakers lack a go-to premier defender to limit Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, you'd point to Contavious Caldwell Pope, but he hasn't been healthy. And that's been, the you know, the story for them. Gobert is also staying out of foul trouble is going to be essential for him. But otherwise, they have favors to supplement it while he's not there. And with a not-so-healthy LeBron, like Jose was talking about, the Jazz are going to be able to capitalize. Also, the Lakers are a poor three-point shooting team, and it's going to be hard for them to keep up if the uh, Jazz are making it such a high rate. And they will most likely be able to win the rebound battle with Gobert down there.
Then with the Clippers, I think they actually match up pretty well. It's going to be a series that, you know, if they meet him in the four or five matchup, it's going to be a hard one for them. Um, they stack up pretty evenly, though, in terms of three-point shooting. But Paul George in the playoffs, like we mentioned earlier in this episode, has been suspect. The Jazz have a rebound advantage um, over the Clippers as the Clippers are just an average offensive and defensive rebound team. And we know the defensive, I mean, the rebound advantage often dictates the game. Also, um, they're not going to force a lot of turnovers. And also with all these new pieces on this Clippers team, you know, you just added Rajon Rondo at the trade deadline. DeMarcus Cousins is barely working his way in here. And, you know, you really only have two certified stars who have been there for a while on that team with uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's going to have to show a lot about Paul George. And I don't know if I have confidence yet, just yet. So I think the Jazz, they're out for vengeance. They lost 3-1 in the playoffs last year. They don't want to do that again. I think there might be the most complete team in the NBA. So there's my case. I'm off on the Jazz. I just think I like um... – I like them against the Clippers. I think, like like you said, I think it's really going to take the Clippers just, like, overpowering them with their star power. I think it's going to take, like, Kawhi and PG just really taking over to beat them because the Jazz are much more balanced. But the problem is, I mean, we've seen Kawhi do it. We haven't seen PG do it. But I also re- – I, I just really like the Suns against them because, you know, Gobert is the defensive player of the year, but he's actually, like, a liability when you actually bring him out in pick and rolls. And the Suns have two of the best pick and roll players, like, in the league. I mean, CP3, Booker – they can both, uh, you know, just annihilate you on pick and rolls. So I'm, I really want to see that matchup. I think a Jazz Suns, you know, if one of them ends up beating the Lakers, I would, I would love to see that as a Western Conference Finals matchup, uh, just because I think those two teams are really, really balanced and they match. I mean, guys like Bridges, Cam Johnson, they kind of cancel out guys like you know Ingles and Bogdanovich. Uh, I think that'd be like a fantastic series. But those are all great points. Uh, it's kind of different pace i mean does that mean that he has parity i mean it feels more that way since last season like we've got a lot more parity in the nba this past two seasons yeah i think the west is more open than the east has ever been yeah 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 because the east it's like the nets and then like i could definitely see the sixers or the bucks like beating them but it's just gonna take you know, a couple extra factors, a couple extra guys step up. Because I think it's a three-team race in the East, and then, yeah, like a three- to four-team in the uh, um, in the West, where the Clippers are, like, I think under, uh, you know, Jazz, Suns, Lakers, and then it's probably the Clippers. Sucks pretty so, yeah, about, what, seven, team, seven teams in, like, the actual championship window? Like, that's that's pretty solid. Um, sucks for Giannis. I feel like when once LeBron left the East, he was kind of expected to run that that – a conference but he just like has not at least not in the playoffs yeah and then well then kd came over and i was like oof well yeah now they've got the nets and stuff yeah and Giannis is just like like Giannis is fantastic but it's just like you know he has you know specific flaw that you know it, it's tough it's tough to close out games with that it's not even like and because Giannis is dominant i just wish they would like you know if he's gonna close out games don't close out games trying to hit a pull-up jumper. Like, close out games getting, like, deep in the post and, you know, getting a hook shot or getting a dunk before the double comes to you, you know, I think. Yeah. He just needs to focus more on what he's amazing at than, you know, trying to figure out the shot. I think it's really just kind of like – because, I mean, you know, you, you have to keep him a little bit honest. He's been doing a little bit better at the three-point shooting, but just do oh, what he's great yeah. at. He's unstoppable yeah. in the paint, you know? Agreed. And if they play the Nets, the Nets have no one for him. 
Nobody. So, Absolutely. No one. DeAndre Jordan, baby food. Griffin's strong, but he's not tall. I mean, they got baby KD. Food. He can take Giannis. That would be lit to see. I love the KD Giannis matchup. Like that game a few days ago was amazing. Like watching them go back and forth, like two just like demigods, like going at it. Yeah. Straight lab, straight lab creations, both of them. <laughs> the my, my player creations like OP. Yeah, I know. Both <laughs> of them just going out. Can't even it. make those boys in 2K. No, I know. Yeah, they're dude, the craziest 2K builds ever, both of them. But um, yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up. You guys got anything else? Nah, I'm hyped for the playoffs. Me too, man. We'll have to come back to this and actually like check like once the awards actually drop, we'll come back and see like how well we did. Yeah, we'll drop who's the most accurate. Yeah. yeah, that that's for sure coming. I think wait, awards come out. They come out like the middle of the playoffs, right? End of the playoffs now. The the NBA awards ceremony. Which is dumb. They if the regular season awards, they should come out before the playoffs. Like I miss yeah. ceremony before like on the first playoff game. You know, hosting the MVP trophy. Like that was a lit time. You know, I I always think of the Derrick Rose one. Um, yes, I was gonna say that one or whatever but yeah and it's like a dope it's like a dope storyline to like watch like i the most iconic one that comes to mind is like western conference finals i think it's like 94 95 like david robinson like wins the mvp trophies like holding it up like in the playoffs against hakeem and the and the rockets and hakeem's just like pissed off because like oh that should be my trophy and he just kills them he shows them like why like he's the real mvp and like shit like that just like is like i love seeing that and that's part of like when they get in the playoffs so yeah. So imagine yeah. you see like if Harden was healthy and you see like Harden versus Embiid in the like second round matchup or something, he's like, screw you, Embiid. I should have won the MVP trophy or something like that. Like in some ultimate Exactly, bro. It gives more fuel to the fire. Like, yeah, I love it. The competitive spirit just goes like through the roof. Yeah. But they want to sell, you know, they want to sell units. They want to, they want to have that show that, that, that brings in money, you know, so. It's all business. That's true. Yeah, that show does bring in a lot of cash. All right. Yeah. Gonna do it. Yeah, that's gonna wrap it up, boys. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys for another Sunday talk. So stay tuned for that. But uh yeah, without further ado, catch you guys on the next one. Peace.